you, Lord our God. Amen. I'd like to begin this morning's sermon by asking you to use your imagination. It's easy, I promise. You can choose to keep your eyes open or closed, but play along with me and use my words to create an image in your mind. Here we go. First, picture your most often used electronic device. Phone, iPad, TV. Now, imagine a media platform on that screen. Facebook, TV Guide, Twitter, Instagram, Google. What do you see? Picture a search bar and move your fingers to type the word money. See yourself hitting return or go. What pops up on the screen? Scroll or click through all the money-themed results that flash before you. What do you see? Pictures? Thought-provoking sayings? Commercials? Funny, poignant little stories? Now imagine taking all the things streaming before you, all related to the theme of money, and create one coherent written piece out of them. How would you do it? If your eyes are closed, you can go ahead and open them. The challenge that you just visualized is the same task that our gospel writer Luke faced. Of course, he did not sit down in front of an electronic screen with media flashing in front of his eyes. Instead, what he had in front of him was a collection of teachings and stories from Jesus that were all around, like our media, all around the theme of money. If you look in your yellow service leaflet at the gospel, you'll notice that there are four words, the first word Jesus and three others, that are underlined. Each underlining represents a distinct section of the text. The first section is the parable, the story. The second, third, and fourth underlining indicate the start of three individual sayings or teachings. So if you felt confused as Chester proclaimed the gospel, yup, no wonder. Because what we have presented here as one coherent story isn't. It's four distinct posts. And while there are four distinct sections, Unfortunately for me, there's only one theme, money. And as much as I would love to duck talking about money with you and just take the easy way out and spiritualize it, these texts cannot be simply spiritualized. The fact is, Luke is talking about a different way of using wealth. Luke shows us this different way through a technique that he sprinkles throughout his gospel. Reversals. In Luke, where there's a reversal, where things are turned upside down, there 
Marcus Borg says in his book, The Heart of Christianity, we as Americans, as United States Americans, need to think of the kingdom of God in a different way. We need to explain kingdom as government, the government of God, or the economy of God. In Luke, where there's a reversal, we see the socioeconomic realities that God longs for at work. These kingdom of God reversals are in the parable portion, the opening section of today's gospel. The story begins with a classic hierarchical structure. The rich man, the manager who works for him, and the people below the manager who owe the money to the manager who owe it to the rich man. But the rich man catches wind of the fact that the manager's doing a lousy job and wasting his money. So the rich man announces, I'm going to fire you, manager. Job loss? How many of us have been there? Job insecurity? It's terrifying. And especially in this time with few options for social mobility or a different career path, the manager knows that he's too weak to dig ditches and that he's too proud to beg for money. So he hatches a plan to reduce the debt of all the people that he manages below him in the hierarchy. Here comes our first reversal. At the start of the story, the manager's survival depends on the rich man above him. But by the end of the story, by reducing people's debt, he has incurred their favor. They will care for him if he is fired. And the manager's well-being is now in the hands of those who were formerly below him. He's changed up the whole social hierarchy. After the manager forgives the people's debt, there's another reversal. Any reader would imagine that the rich man would be furious that his money has been callously distributed and given away. But instead of anger and outrage, the rich man expresses admiration for the manager's plan. Remember, the manager still works for the rich man when he forgives a portion of the people's debt. So the people are more favorably inclined to do business with the rich man again than when they owed him 100% of their debt. By the end of the story, there's an interconnected web of relationship among the rich man, the manager, and the people that demolishes the hierarchical order present at the story's beginning. And the manager used money to create that web. So there it is. There's our call from our Savior, Jesus Christ. To use our money to reverse the order from hierarchical relationships to interconnected ones. Part of Holy Communion's mission is to seek to walk in the way of Jesus and to reveal Christ's reconciling love in our city, nation, and world. So if Jesus calls us to use our money to reverse the common hierarchical order, 
we have to ask, how do we do that? I've come to realize one way to do it. Like so many of you, my husband Craig and I have tithed to the church our entire adult lives. But even as a lifelong tither and an all-in church participant, I never fully realized what our donation to the church does until serving as priest in a full-time capacity these past three months. You share your money, which is nothing more than a representation of your labor in the world. It represents your work in courtroom, classroom, or construction site. You share your money with the church to provide a place and people so that we're here for those who are in need. When someone unexpectedly needs the solace of noon Eucharist, through your contribution, you're there. In pastoral conversations, you're right there with us. I never realized that with my donation to church, I was upending the hierarchical order of our society. For there's no fee for new Eucharist. We don't ask for an insurance card before a pastoral conversation. This is one way of using our money to reverse the order from hierarchical relationships to interconnected ones. Unfortunately, not all charitable dollars do that, which the Reverend Dr. Starsky Wilson pointed out to us when he visited our church last month. He reminded us that St. Louis is the number one most philanthropic city in the nation, though we're 17th in size. But we are also one of the top 10 most segregated cities in the country. How can this be? Even with the best of intentions, philanthropic dollars in St. Louis have maintained the system as usual. So we need to look very carefully at the places that we donate. Do they strive to dismantle the current hierarchical order and to create an interconnected web? I learned this week that Reverend Dr. Wilson, alongside the racial alongside the uh, Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and the Deaconess Foundation and other contributors is creating a racial healing pooled fund. The goal is to raise millions and distribute it in grants aimed at reversing St. Louis's race-based hierarchical systems. We can also look to large communities, which were founded by Jean Vanier in the 1960s, as an example of a place in which our money upends the social order. L'Arche provides homes and workplaces where people with and without intellectual disabilities live and work together as peers. They create inclusive communities of faith and friendship in which the disabled residents are the core members and those who are more able-bodied and able in intellect are the assistants. Talk about turning the usual social order on its head. 
This gospel calls us to put our money to work in efforts like the racial healing pooled fund and LARSH and our church communities. Toward organizations that strive to reverse the usual hierarchical system and instead create webs of relationality and interconnectedness, which we can also call the kingdom of God. Luke's collection of story and teachings about money in today's gospel ends with you cannot serve God and money. This is a teaching that would have been central to Jesus as an observant Jew. For truly, it's just a restatement of the greatest commandment found in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Put all your love toward God. And put your money to help usher in the socioeconomic reign that God longs for. Amen. Amen.